Hi, this is Joe Shannon. I'm a lawyer, a husband, a father of six kids, and I also uh, host a podcast called Opening Statement with Joe Shannon. Please consider listening to our podcast on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple, and any other folks that host podcasts. Just Google Joe Shannon and podcast and you'll find it. I hope you enjoyed the show. We're here today with David Laborde of Laborde Earls Injury Lawyers. How are you today, David? I'm good, Joe. How are you doing? You know, uh, that is a loaded question. It is <laughs> April 2nd, 2020, and so you and I and the whole country are in the middle of this pandemic. How are you guys holding up down there in Louisiana? You know, um, as, as I'm sure you've seen on the, the news, New Orleans in particular is is a very hot spot. We've been fortunate. We're about 100 miles west of New Orleans in Lafayette, Louisiana, and it's, it's really not that bad. The governor, rightfully so, did shut everything down, and for the most part, all businesses are closed, but, but we're, um, we have a skeleton crew in the office, and everyone is working remotely. So far, we've, we've been blessed that no one has really had any ill effects physically from this pandemic. Yeah, so um, I know that you have roots somewhat in uh, New Orleans. Having you, I, I know that uh, you you went to law school in Tulane, right? I did. I sure did. And I graduated in 1991. I have a son who lives in New Orleans and just graduated from Tulane this past year. So it's a uh, a city that's near and dear to my heart. Yeah, you know, um, one of the things that uh, that we learn from these type of things. I, I, you know, I don't know if I ever told you, uh, David, but, uh, back in 1980 on May 18th, um, a uh, volcano blew up in my backyard. Um, Mount St. Helens, I was about, I don't know, 90 miles away from where it happened. And at nine o'clock in the morning, uh, on a, it was a sunny day about eight 30, but at nine o'clock in the morning it was pitch black and, all I knew was there was that uh, there was ash everywhere and it was it's snowing basically it seemed like of ash, which was basically the top of Mount St. Helens coming down on us for a couple of days. And that is the same type of feeling I have now with everybody staying at home and not going outside. It's an eerie feeling in it. It really is. You, you know, you, you had not told me that. And I, I vividly remember. I was in high school at the time, but I remember turning on the, the television that morning and seeing the news. That was, it's like Armageddon. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize that you were, you were there. Yeah, it was, uh, we didn't, no, no, you know, the, the only people that were actually, I think, killed by that were people that were actually living on the mountain um, or nearby with the, the slides and everything. But yeah, it's indelible. I, I remember that. But so tell me what's going on at the Laborde house. I know you have five children. Is, are people making their way home? Yeah, I have. Uh, I do have five children. Like I mentioned, one just graduated law school, and he lives in New Orleans. He's hunkered down at home, working from home. I have another one who's a banker and lives in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He likewise is is working from home, and I have uh, two that are that are in college, and um, one still in high school. So the ones that are in college and high school have all made their way home, and 
they're all going kind of stir crazy, but, <laughs> but, but they're all safe. So thankfully everyone's okay. Yeah. That's what, that's what, uh, that we, you know, I've got six kids and, and it seems like, uh, I think the only one that hasn't come home yet, she's living about an hour and a half North of us. And I think she's going to come home to be with us for a while over Easter. But, uh, yeah, I think families are finding out who they're related to pretty well, but cause we're all so <laughs> up, right. My, my, my oldest daughter that came home from, from, uh, college, decided that she wanted to raise chickens while she was off of school. So she went and bought six chicks. And uh, so we've been raising chickens as a hobby for the last couple of weeks. It's been, it's been actually kind of fun. That's great. That's great. So listen, I, you know, before we get into these interviews, I like to uh, let folks know, um, you know, where you came from. Cause you know, this is such a, a great American story. The Laborde Earl's injury lawyers firm. I, um, you know, one of the top firms in the country and the, the two fellows that are the name, name partners uh, got just impressive stories about where they came from. And, and, you know, one of the things that, that I've always felt is that, you know, I'm, I'm drinking from a well that was been dug by my ancestors long, long ago. And I, I know that you share that same feeling. I, I do. I was, um, my, my father was a lawyer and, and later a judge. And so I've been very fortunate to have been around the legal field my, my whole life, essentially. And um, in 1991, I graduated law school and clerked for, for a federal judge for a year. But when I came home, my, my dad was ready to retire from being a, an appellate court judge. And he and I formed what was then the Laborde Law Firm. And had a just a wonderful career with my father and you know sharing work and and highs and lows and coming to the office every day and visiting with him my sister ultimately came to work with us and we did that until 2014 when uh, my dad was ready to retire again from being a lawyer at that time and and Digger and I who's uh the earls of Laborde Earls Digger and I had be- begun working on a few projects few years before that and really got along well and, and decided to make a, a go of, of a partnership. And it's, it's been wonderful. Yeah. So you, so Laborde Earl's injury lawyers has been around for about six years, but you've been uh, practicing law for heck almost 30 years, huh? Yeah. When I, when I do the math, it kind of scares me because I, I don't think of myself as being that old, but when I look in the mirror, I, I realize that I am. So, I've been pra- I've been a lawyer since 1991, and I've been practicing since 1992. So it has been nearly th- 30 years. Wow! So um, tell tell me where you're born and and about your upbringing. Sure, I, I was born in in central Louisiana, a small town called Alexandria, Louisiana, and grew up in a really small town, a farming town, Marksville. Um, and again, by virtue of some of the work my dad was doing, I was really lucky my entire family moved to Europe and lived in Spain for three years in the mid 70s and came back to Marksville around 1978 and um, stayed there through high school went to Louisiana State University in Baton Rouge LSU I'm a, I'm a tiger and then went to law school at Tulane and uh, so ever since then I, like I said earlier I had had met a federal judge while I was in college on a hunting trip and he would, he would come down to Louisiana once a year and, and hunt. And we became good buddies. 
Um, he offered me a clerkship in Puerto Rico. He was a, a court of appeals judge in Puerto Rico. And so when I finished law school, I went and spent a year in Puerto Rico and clerked in Boston, uh, as odd as that might seem. We would travel to Boston once a month for court, but most of the work, or should I say most of the play was done in Puerto Rico. And after I finished that clerkship, I was married and moved to Lafayette, Louisiana with my wife, Catherine. She goes by Khaki. And uh, we've been here ever since. No, that's great. So, you know, the, the one of the interesting parts when I was doing my research for this interview is that uh, you're fluent in Spanish. I am. It's by virtue of having lived in Spain. Um, I, I never never lost it. I, I made a point of always speaking Spanish whenever I could. And then when I went to Puerto Rico for a year, I certainly refreshed my my Spanish, changed my accent somewhat, but I've always always maintained my uh, my ability to speak and read Spanish. It's it's been very very good to me, both in school and more so in, in my profession. Yeah. So so um, do you represent some Spanish speaking clients? You know, Joe, more and more so in uh, Texas, which is right next door, has always had a, a large Hispanic community. And I would say in the last five to six years, we've seen an influx of of a lot of Spanish clientele coming into our, our area. So the, the short answer is yes, but it's becoming more and more prevalent every day. In fact, just this morning, uh, we interviewed a, a, a candidate, a new lawyer who, who may come to work for us. And one of the qualifications we were looking for is a Spanish speaker. This young lady speaks Spanish and um, that we have a need for it. My sister works with us also. She speaks Spanish and I speak Spanish. But because of the influx of the Spanish speaking community in, in Lafayette and in Alexandria, we have a need to, uh, to hire another lawyer that speaks Spanish. And, and that's what we're doing. Well, you know what? I, I, um, I think that you can speak to somebody's heart when you speak their language. And, and that's got to be a real leg up for you guys when, uh, when you can speak their language. But uh, listen, I want to switch gears a little bit. Um, what an interesting life living in Spain and living in Puerto Rico. And uh, you got such a great uh, family too. You've got five kids and uh, just a, a uh, really uh, blessed existence. Um, and w where are you physically, physically located most of the time, David? I physically live in Lafayette, Louisiana, and um, I've been here since 1992 and, and, and love the, love the community. It's, it's a wonderful place to raise a family. And then you guys, do you guys have offices in other areas other than there? <clears throat> we do. We have an out office in um, both in Marksville, the town that I grew up in and Alexandria, which is, you know, 30 or 40 miles just north of Marksville. So we're in, we're in two markets, if you will, with three offices. One of the things that uh, I like to talk to folks about when I interview them is, um, is to, to talk to them about some defining moments that they've, they've had in their, their career and then, and personally, and you, you learn a lot about uh, somebody um when they talk about these things, I, I know that when people are in the market to hire a lawyer, you know, a lot of times they look at uh, your, your guy's background as far as, you know, your, um, your competency. And I would, when I was doing this uh, research for this interview, I was looking at the, your verdicts and settlements and I was, uh, I was pretty much blown away by <laughs> You guys are such uh, 
self-effacing, humble fellas. And you're sitting here with all these huge verdicts and settlements and, uh, and you know, the, the track record speaks for itself. But I, I think people want to know, um, you know, something about you personally too. So do, I know you've had a, a ton of personal defining moments, but could you share with, uh, one or two with us? Sure. You, you know, you, you mentioned those verdicts and settlements and we've been blessed. We've, we've had some, some big verdicts and some big settlements. Um, some, some of the most, you talk about defining moments. I'll, I'll never forget after I finished my clerkship, I, I came and opened my own office, you know, as, as silly as that seemed, I just figured I had nothing to lose. So I go ahead and open my own office. And I was lucky enough to get my first client through a, a relative who referred a friend of mine, a friend of theirs. Um, and I, I worked my tail off to get my first settlement, which I distinctly remember was $3,000. And to this day, that stands out as one of you know my most proud moments because this person, first of all, needed some help. I was able to help them. And it just gave me a, a tremendous amount of confidence that I could do this and, and uh, never look back. So it, those, those little, you know, the big verdicts and the big settlements came over time, but it's, it's those smaller ones are the ones that you did pro bono and that we still do pro bono every day, helping people that are really in need um, that are, the, are really the most rewarding. It's, I, I think that's the heart of a plaintiff's lawyer. And I know you, you're the same way. I know how you prepare for your cases. You take every case and, and prepare it for trial, not for a settlement, but to be able to help someone who's either disadvantaged or being taken advantage of and, and not being helped is uh, what we strive to do. And, and, and personally, it's the most rewarding thing that I, that I ever do. That, that, you know what, I, um, I was thinking about that the other day. Um, when I opened up my, my uh, law firm, I, w- I was a defense attorney for about eight years representing big companies and insurance companies. And I sat down with my wife. Uh, we, we had just had our, our second child, Claire. We, Emma was uh, not yet two. And, we decided to open up our law firm and I remember talking to my wife and, and we had no clients and, and I said, well, should we do this? And she, she basically looked at me and said, let's do it. And took the leap of faith. I, do you remember having that kind of discussion uh, or talk or with uh, yourself or, or anybody else was around? No, I, I had the discussion with that, that same discussion with my wife and, and with myself, but, my case was a little different. I didn't have a job. My clerkship was ending. I had an opportunity to stay for another year, but I chose not to. And I had a, a classmate from law school that had just opened his own office. And he offered to let me share some space for free for six months if I, if I wanted to. And so I said, you know, heck, what, what do I have to lose? Let's, let's do it. And um, we did it. And it's, it's the best decision I ever made. Well, you know, um, when I, when I look at, uh, at uh, the, the, the name a professional, um, I, you know, I look at, at people that not only do great work in their own vocation, you know, you guys as, as a law firm represent people that have been injured. I, you know, I'm looking at this judgment that you guys got in a wrongful death case for a mother and just a, a huge verdict. This lady must have been something else, but the, the thing that I that I um, I look at a lot is what they give back to the community. And, you know, 
I'm looking at all the, I went, I, I basically Googled your name and I looked for news and all the news was about all the great things you do for the community as far as music festivals and, and uh, stuff for kids to, to make sure that they have an advantage. And, and uh, you know, what, what got into your mind about that? I think it's just something that that that's in line with what I mentioned to you about being a plaintiff's lawyer that you want to help people. I've been blessed beyond any anything I could have ever imagined in so far as having a family and a career and and the ability to do things uh, that I've wanted to do. I've been healthy, and so it's it's important to to me personally and Digger as well, which is why I think you know that we get along so well that that we do good things for the people around us. Um, and so those are just those things that you mentioned are just small tokens of appreciation and our attempt to, to give back to this community that has been so good to us and blessed us so, so, so much. Um, during this, this pandemic, my wife came up with the idea of why don't we select a local hospital or emergency room and select a local restaurant that's closed down because of, everything being shut down and, and sponsor a meal for our one shift at the emergency room each day. And so we've been doing that locally and it's just the right thing to do. So we're able to give the local restaurants some business. We're able to feed these uh, medical providers that are tending to, to people that are walking in off of the streets and risking their own lives. And it, it's the least we can do to show some appreciation to everyone. That is the mark of a professional that, you know, that, you're not getting anything out of it. You're you're basically knowing people are in need and, and you have the resources and doing this type of thing that is absolutely tremendous and a, and a, you know you're you're inspiring everybody. So I heck man, what am I doing? I got to get going on this thing, Dave. I got I got to keep <laughs> up with with you know Laborda or old injury lawyers because they're they're in the lead. I, you know, you're not asking anybody what to do. You're doing it. I like it. So hey, listen, I wanted to switch gears here a little bit. Um, and I always, you know, I've always fa- find it fascinating um, some some jobs that you had, you know, when you were in grade school or high school or or college that that helped you to identify with the people you represent. I, you know, one of the one of the best jobs I ever had was when when I was in grade school going into high school, and for a couple of years I had a paper route, and uh, so I used to I used to get. Uh, papers delivered to my house, about 150 of them, and I'd have to to basically wrap them up and put a rubber band around them and put them in my paper bag on both sides and ride my bike and I'd deliver 150 papers at you know 5:30 in the morning and then and then every month I had to go door to door to go collect the money that you know for the paper and I'll tell you I learned some life lessons in that that I still use today. How about you? You got any jobs like that that you remember? Oh, of course. I mean, and I always wish that I could have had a paper route, by the way. <laughs> I lived in, in rural Louisiana. My, my route would have been 40 or 50 miles long. So <laughs> it was not, it wasn't available to me. But I, I've done everything from work as a, a deli or work in the fruit section in the supermarket when I was in high school to raising cattle and pigs uh, for my dad and I've been a lifeguard in, in college, but the best job I, I think that I've ever had um, 
that, that believe it or not, I still long to do some time is I worked as a bartender in a restaurant and I just had the best time doing that, talking to people and uh, visiting with them. And, and you, you know, you become friends with the regulars that come in once a week at the same time and sit at the same bar stool and order the same food. And it's just, I always found that job to be very entertaining and never boring. And so I, that that was probably one of the best jobs that I've ever had. So your your, your dad was a was a judge, but he also had a farm. He he was, you know, I, like I said, we lived in rural Louisiana. Everyone had cattle. Everyone had pigs and horses, or whatever the case may be. And my my job was to feed the cattle every day, and I I hated it. I loathed <laughs> it. But <clears throat> but believe it or not, I'm in the in the process of buying some cattle because I miss it. <laughs> so <laughs> it's funny how those things work. So you, you live on a farm yourself? No, but I have some, some rural property not too far away and, and I'm going to put a few head of cattle on it just to go out and fool around with them for no other purpose. Jo- jo- and they'll join the chickens you guys just, uh, just bought, right? Uh, the goal is to move the chicken coop to the farm. That's right. I like it. Once they're big I enough. like it. So one of the things I, you know, that, uh, you know, we, when I'm uh, trying cases and trying to explain my my uh, my case to the jury is that, you know, a lot of folks, when they have their jobs, you know, and, you know, we try and collect the, what they lost in their job. But a lot of what they lose is their ability to do what they really love, which is their, you know, their their hobbies or interests or sports. How about you? You got any hobbies or interests in sports that you're still doing? Yeah, I'm I'm an avid outdoorsman. I love I love hunting. I love fishing. I love just being outside. Like I mentioned, I have this rural property, and so any opportunity that I have to be outside, whether it's riding a tractor, riding a boat, uh, shooting a gun, um, that that's what I'm going to be doing. And uh, it, it's just I, I love the outdoors. I love manual labor and i like being outside so I'm, I'm doing all of those things often that's great so so um tell me about some of the some of your your favorite uh you know either hunting or fishing or stories like that 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 uh would tell us something about you know what makes you tick so oh first of all i'm, I'm not a very good fisherman or hunter but i, I like doing both so that said um I probably spend four to five months out of the year planning for the opening of duck season. It's just something, (laughs) you know, everything from how I'm going to camouflage or brush my blind to what gun I'm going to have. And, you know, we have these really nice blinds that we cook in. What what are we going to cook for breakfast in the duck blind and who's who am I going to invite? So um, those those moments of preparation and then the time spent watching the sunrise and watching the wildlife, it's really not about shooting anything or, or the kill. It's really about the preparation and the moment of being there. And, and uh, I find it to be terribly relaxing and it's something I look forward to right now. In fact, I have goosebumps talking about so- it. Someone, someone sent me a, a, a text yesterday for April Fool's Day, telling me that the hunting season this upcoming year is canceled because of coronavirus. <laughs> and <laughs> I was so distraught until I realized it was April Fool's. But <laughs> when does when does hunting season start? It opens as early as September. The duck season opens in late or mid to late November, however. 
And then so summer, some of the seasons, dove season and, and some other things open earlier during the year. And then um, am I, so I, I'm up from in Chicago, so I'm fascinated by this. I, I have a dog, Archie, who's a, uh, he's a, what they call a golden doodle. So he's a half yeah. golden retriever, which I'm really fascinated with. I like the golden retriever part. And then he's part poodle, which I'm like, I don't, I, I don't really not too proud about owning a poodle. But, but, but anyway, um, I take him for uh, long jogs, I call them, not, not runs, but we, we try and run for about an hour. Um, and I, this, this dog, in my mind, is a hunting dog or a retriever type of dog. Do you, when you do your, your uh, hunting, do you bring along some dogs with you? I do. I, I, well, first of all, I've seen pictures of Archie, and he looks like, like a good friend for sure. But uh, <laughs> He is. I, I do. I, I have a large Labrador retriever, and he's he's with me everywhere I go during the hunting season. So he's he's my sidekick. He does all the work. I have all the fun. What's his name? His name is Caesar. Oh. He's about a hundred pound Labrador retriever. He's just a really big lab, but a, a gentle giant. How long have you had him? I think Caesar just made his seventh birthday, and I've had him since he was a pup. So uh, he's around seven, close to eight. I, I, so I understand you get kind of attached to these dogs. Oh, I, he's, you know, he's the first person I see when I leave the house in the morning, the first person I see when I come home in the afternoon and, and you know how dogs are They're They're loyal to a fault. And um, it's odd. I'll, he's up, he's outside most of the time, but I'll be walking in the house and I'll look out the window and I can see him just following me around the yard as I walk through the house, <laughs> <laughs> but he's my buddy. How did your, your wife, like the whole hunting side of uh, David Laborde? She likes it. You know, it's, um, we, we have a, a camp that we go to and we share this camp with my sister and brother-in-law. And it's, it's very common that we all go there for the weekend. And sometimes we all go hunting together. Sometimes some of them stay back and fiddle around or, but it's, it's always a fun weekend. So it's, it's more of a, um, an event than just a hunt. So it, it's a weekend long event. A lot of visiting, a lot of good food, and a lot of good stories. And, and, and your kids follow in your footsteps of the hunting? All of them. My, my boys are, my three sons are avid hunters and fishermen. My, my uh, daughters, they'll typically come once or twice a year, more for just to be spend some time with their dad than, uh, than to hunt. They're not big hunters, but they like going out there and visiting. No, that's great. And then, um, you know, that's one thing that, that, uh, that I I'm hoping for is that, you know, that my, my one daughter um, has taken up tennis and, and I'm just glad that I can play a sport with her for hopefully for the rest of her life. And then I, I like to golf a little bit. So it's nice to have that, but uh, I'm jealous of, of you having that rural lifestyle where you can, you know, walk the woods uh, with your kids and, and you really get to know, them a little bit better when you're when you're on that type of environment isn't that right it, it really is um a friend that you and i have in common um had told me once that he he went away and spent about a week alone in the woods just to to reflect and to calm down i thought i forget the exact words that he used and so i promised myself that, that i would try that one day and and i haven't had a week but i did set aside about three days this past fall and just went and put everything aside and, and just camped out. And it was, 
it was a rebirth and it really was refreshing to go out there and and just let your mind settle down and, and spend some time alone just to reflect on on everything so uh i would i would encourage it you know um i was talking uh with your your partner um and uh he told me that uh when he was growing up on the farm that he started driving a truck when he was nine years old now david you didn't start driving before you were 16 did you oh i did but not nine i uh <laughs> I, I, how old I, were you I was probably 12 or 13. I thought I was definitely driving to town to go grocery shopping by the time I was 13. Is that but, right? Um, absolutely. Well, that did, now did you, did you have to learn how to use a shift? I did. I had a, um, both a, a the first truck I, I drove was a, I don't know what you call it, a collar shift. Three on a tree. Difficult. Yeah. And then later a, a, a stick shift on the floor, but, um, drove a, a standard truck until I was probably 17, 18 years old. Now I'll tell you, I, I, you know, after these interviews with you guys down in Louisiana, I, I, I am really threatening to send my 11 year old son down there. <laughs> oh, please do come with me. I, you know, and just for a summer or winter, it's too, maybe too hot in the summertime, but maybe, you know, just during a, a duck season, and have him come back and just be a guy that's he's 12 years old. He's driving. He's, he's getting picking up groceries for us. And he's uh, he's a marksman and he's a fisherman and all sorts of things. That'd be great. Would love to have him. I know he's a heck of a basketball player, too. Right. Yeah, he he, he, he can fill it up. But I'll tell you, you know, I think he could use a little bit of that. You know, five, waking up at five in the morning, going hunting and and learning how to do the, the manual labor, which you say you like that. I think he's allergic to the manual labor. Would love to have him. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I, um, I I always find it, uh, you know, when I, when I talk to, to guys like you, I think back to, you know, I'm reading a book right now on George Washington, and um, it's a fascinating book by this guy named Ron Chernow. It talks about his whole life, the good parts and the bad parts and all that. And, uh you know, the, the, the young people grew up a lot faster back then because they were required to. There really wasn't, you know, television. There wasn't, you know, they had, they had to run their farms. They had to run their, you know, uh, and if they, if they didn't work, they didn't eat. And um, I'll tell you, when I hear about rural America and how unbelievably, you know, uh, great a lifestyle you guys have. I think you got you guys got a recipe for how people should live. Is is just it's the American dream you're living. Yeah, you know, I, 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 like I said before, I've been very blessed. I've I've had I have no regrets about the life my my upbringing. It was rural America, and I didn't have access to a lot of the, I guess, the luxuries that you you might have in the city. But I've I've been able to enjoy those in my adulthood. But I, I still long to to go back to those rural experiences. Those those what I find the ones that I find the uh, the most fun. So, you know, one one of the things I I think's interesting is um, what people read. And uh, are there any favorite books that you've read lately, or or different different things you've you've experienced that you you want to share with us? You know. So, <laughs> The, the books I tend to read for the last five plus years 
um, for, for better or worse, tend to be more related to, to my work. And some of them are health, you know, self-help books, like some of the Cy Wakeman books that you're familiar with and, 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 you know, how to run a business, what those types of things. It's really been a while since I've had the time to, to sit back and, and read fictions or, or things like that, which I once enjoyed. But when I did those things in my, my previous life, I guess I tended to read um, more of the, the John Grisham type books, which I've always enjoyed. Oh, those are great, uh, aren't they? They are. But the stuff I'm reading now is more related to, you know, how to improve my, my work environment, how to improve my, my personal life and uh, how to improve my relationship with people around me. You know, I, um, I'm, I'm a lot in that boat. Uh, you, you and I, uh, uh, are always trying to figure out how to run a better law firm so we can serve our clients. And I know that you guys uh, have um, a number of lawyers that work for you, don't you? We do. If I, I think the last count I had was about 14 um, lawyers that are working in our law firm currently. Wow. And then you're looking for more. I know that because you just interviewed that gal this morning. But um, yeah. yeah, you know what? I, I tell you, the, the effect that that you guys have had on your community in providing uh, a great environment for your lawyers and, and, and how many support staff do you have? Um, I, I think total, um, counting the lawyers, we're right at 50, 52 people. Wow. Uh, so it's, it's a lot, you know, when I look similar to my age, when I look at how old I am or how big my staff is, I'm somewhat surprised. You're, you're in it every day and don't really realize what's going on around you. Well, you've come a long yeah. way from opening up that one-man law firm a long time ago, huh, David? <laughs> I, I did, yes. You know, I, I um, that to me is the genius of America, is that uh, there's still that, that belief that a fella can open up a business um, – and if he works hard enough and has some good ideas and treats people the right way and treats his community the right way, that he or she can grow a business and, and make a big difference in their community. And, I, you know, I applaud you. I applaud Digger. And I applaud all those great people that, that work for you. And, and uh, thank you so much for sitting down with us, David. And I, uh, I tell you, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I, I feel like I've been transported to walking through some some varied landscape you know both plains and fields and swampland and all that type of stuff and i just god i wish i was down there with you hanging out well joe i'd I'd love to have you come and visit and um and by all means whenever you're ready you let us know we'll we'll greet you with open arms and thank you for thank you for inviting me to do this this was really fun. all right take care david Thank you for listening to the opening statement with Joe Shannon. You can find us on the internet at shannonlawgroup.com or telephone our office at 312-578-9501. Have a terrific day.